0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a special returning guest, Alex Brookman. Alex is a re- entrepreneur, author, executive coach, and board advisor. He's built, scaled, and exited companies in Europe and Canada, and led client projects all across the globe. His areas of expertise are strategy development, leadership development, and of course, entrepreneurship. His passion lies in helping clients build profitable businesses rooted in purpose. Base. In Can- in Vancouver, Canada, Alex speaks on the topics of intentional strategy and entrepreneurship. In his upcoming book, For Entrepreneurs, he presents a new framework called The Secrets of Next Level Entrepreneurs, 11 Powerful Lessons to Thrive in Business and Lead a Balanced Life. Alex, welcome back
1: to the show. Thank you for this warm intro,
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you back on. You were a great guest last time. I hope you had a lot of success with the last book. I'm excited to hear about the new book, And I'm also excited to hear, I know we kind of briefly talked about before we hit the record button
1: here. How has life been since we spoke a few years ago? (laughs) Yeah, it's um, when you have a toddler in the house, you always have a lot of fun. Um, They discover their personality at some point in time and um, you discover a new person. I I don't want to say every day, but um, as they grow, I think every parent can relate to that. It is super fun, and it can also be super challenging at times.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the younger years are. I I just feel like those are something to absolutely behold and be cherished and cherished. Once they hit teenagers, you're you're in for a different animal. Like uh, my mom told me that forever, and I was like, "You're not. That's not true. Like, come on. Like mine will be better. They're not. They're just monsters. It's (laughs) it's it's unbelievable." Uh, (laughs) Well, tell us about the new book. Um, Who did you write it for? I mean, obviously,
1: it says for entrepreneurs um and then you know why should they read it the book is actually not only for entrepreneurs or we could say if we understand entrepreneurs as everyone that is in charge of a business or a business area that is for me the proper definition of an entrepreneur so it goes to corporate leaders it goes to uh, intrapreneurs in larger organizations and of course it goes to everyone running their own business the book is, it, it came to life as in the aftermath of a virtual summit, a three-day summit that they ran early 2022. And um, there were more than 40 speakers at that event. And some of the ideas really stuck and I had to go back and revisit them. And I was looking for a red threat. I was looking whether, wh- what is the reason I think these ideas are so good? And I realized at some point they, are, they, are, they resonate so much with me because they are, in the words of, of Marshall Goldsmith, I would say these um, topics are what will get you there. Uh, you know, his famous book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And these topics are what will get entrepreneurs where they want to be, because they are a mixture of leadership, of culture building, of self-care, and of several hard skills outside of your, let's say, subject matter expertise, that I believe every entrepreneur needs to hone.
0: Why did Why did you end up? You think focusing on those, you know, those three things: it's a uh, central hard skills, leadership, and culture, and and self care. I mean, it seems like, you know, tell us about elevating those sort of to the top.
1: When I revisited the content of these conversations that I had with these thought leaders, I realized that these are issues that I see with my clients over and over again. And I have been seeing them for more than a decade. And they become more and more relevant. For example, the topic of self-care, um, the whole burnout epidemic that we've seen in so many organizations and with so many entrepreneurs over the past decade, it has just, at the beginning, it was kind of it rarely happened that someone I knew really got burned out, <laughs> um, and then the stories just became more frequent. And all of a sudden, it weren't just people I I knew of, but it it we, we, I was talking to to friends and I was talking to um, customers I had a very close relationship with, and and this just became more frequent and more frequent. And when we dug into it, I realized. It is about not taking care of yourself, taking Mm -hmm. care of everything else but yourself, Mm -hmm. taking care of revenue, taking care of growth, taking care of your teams, of everything, your family, but not yourself. So this is why I wanted to know more about this topic. And I invited the thought leaders that talked on this topic to contribute chapters to the book around self-care. And what we really do is we debunk that myth of work-life balance, which just doesn't exist. There is no such thing as your life that needs to be balanced with your work. Your work is part of your life, and hence there is only life balance that we can achieve. And we dig into the topic and and, um, discuss some options to start achieving life balance. It's not just that we wake up and all of a sudden we decide we have balance in our life but we can do certain things that move us into that direction. And that's why we dig into that chapter.
0: Right. And do you say that because it's, I guess I struggle with that too. I don't, I really don't like that whole like work-life balance because it's like, well, you, I mean, can you really shut one off from the other? You know, it's like they sort of, right. I mean, they're, they're sort of symbiotic and they work together and everything like that. Um, Why do you think there was such a rise in the last decade Of that burnout, do you think it, I mean, is it, is it hustle culture? Is it just this idea that like, you got to hustle, hustle, hustle. You got to have 50 side jobs, you know, side hustles, go, go, go. Grant Cardone, that whole mindset.
1: I think there are various factors that came together in the past years. Um, If we take a look at, of course, that whole hustle culture and entrepreneurship that plays a certain role Um, when people, are from their personality not grounded enough to realize where they need to stop hustling and where they need to protect themselves. Um, And if you identify yourself, your whole self with your success in business, that is a very dangerous route to go. So if, if you fail in business and you at the same time feel that you failed as a person because your job or your career or your business has become so big in your life that it drags you under the bus, that's a huge problem. Of course, hustle culture plays a certain role in that, but it's not, It's in my opinion, it's not the only reason. There are some environmental factors that we can't control. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic has made things just more visible. I don't think it made it worse, it made it just more visible how fragile we are as human beings once we are pushed into the unknown, once we are pushed into certain um, experiences that we have never had before and that are extreme. And once we are disconnected from who we are as human beings and what makes us human, which first and foremost is the relationship that we have with ourselves and with other human beings, that can become very dangerous. And I think not allowing ourselves to explore who we are as human beings in the first place, but allowing ourselves to have a career in the first place is a huge problem. We need to understand who we are first before we can actually make conscious decisions about the career path we want to go
0: what about what about is it do you think just we're just theorizing here but the one of the complaints um that i saw you know a lot of people jumped on the bandwagon about uh, zoom and we're all going virtual nobody's ever going to work in an office anymore we're all going to be just completely separated from each other and then uh, i didn't buy it because i'm just a natural contrarian and because I think people were social creatures, there's no w- way around that. There, there's you still there's still meetings that need to happen in person. Uh, some people just want it. Um, but then one of the other sort of uh, caveats that came out to that was people were then feeling overworked and and they burnt out because they just never shut it off um because all of a sudden, their office was their home, and their you know, their home was their office, and it and they it was the first time they were ever dealing with that. And it just became too much for them. Um, Do you think there's any factor of that
1: that played into the whole thing? Absolutely. For someone like me who has been working from home pre-pandemic, this was just a thing that I observed that people would struggle with that. And I realized that it got worse and worse and worse. And that some of my clients told me they can't deal with it anymore. They need to put boundaries in place. And um, I totally get that. It is not for everyone. And we need to realize that we are different when it comes to the preferences that we have on how we communicate, how we collaborate. And a lot. I remember back to my corporate career, I needed that half hour commute back home Mm. to decompress, to get these topics out of my head. And now imagine you wake up in the morning, you get a cup of coffee, you go into your office. If you're lucky enough to have an office at home, a lot of us just didn't have that luxury of a dedicated space where they could close the door behind them. Many just worked from their kitchen counter. Mm-hmm. So now real, now imagine you don't have that time to get into the mental space that you need to be in driving to work and to decompress going back home. So all of a sudden you realize that your life and your work are not separate. They are the same thing. They are just different times of the day that you dedicate to different things but you don't have that boundary anymore and all of a sudden these two worlds blend and that was for many of us a huge shock because it came without any warning without a let's say warm-up phase getting Mm -hmm. used to it um it was just flip the switch and all of a sudden you realize it's work-life balance is just not a thing yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you for elaborating on that. Uh let's move back to the book a little bit here. So there's there's a wild mix of of three things that I would love for you to unpack because and I when I say wild mix, it just seems like they shouldn't mix together. And that is, you know, one of the topics is, or one of the themes rather, is you're covering business strategy, you're covering pricing, and you're covering sustainability. And some people might see those as contradictory um and, and not be able to work together. Unpack that
1: for us. So the three chapters that you just mentioned make up theme number one in the book, Um, essential hard skills for business leaders outside their own subject matter expertise. And the reason they are together, and I I completely agree with you, for someone who sees that the first time, they're like, why these three topics? Yeah. (laughs) And it's very simple. Um, When you take a look at what you do and why you do it, there's a very high chance that those three topics don't have anything to do with it. Because you grew into your career and into your business based on the subject matter expertise that you bring. Let's say you're a landscaping business. So you definitely are good at landscaping. Um, let's assume you run a marketing company. You are really good at marketing, most likely. And if you work in, um, let's say, HR in a large corporation, you probably grew into that role. So you're an expert in HR. So let's talk about business leaders for a moment here. If you're an entrepreneur, if you lead a large organization or a smaller part in a bigger business, you most likely have little to none, no experience in creating an overarching strategy for your business. You're probably mm. really good, I hope so, to deconstruct a strategy that someone gives you, an overarching strategy, and ask yourself, What is my role here in marketing, here in HR um, to contribute to that? And you're probably good at defining um, the way forward based on that. But once you grow, once you you raise and, and, and you step upwards on the corporate ladder, or if you run your own business, all of a sudden you have to understand how to create, how to design an overarching business strategy, not just in your subject matter. And many struggle with that. I mean, mm. I've, I've been doing this work with corporate leaders and with CEOs for more than 15 years. And I see time and again that they've just struggled with that because they've never done it before. That's why I opened that book with that chapter about how to design, how to approach the topic of business strategy when you're responsible for more than just something that sits in your subject matter expertise.
0: Yeah, very important. Uh, the second theme of the book is all about leadership and culture. Um, what are some takeaways you think that readers are going to come out with after
1: reading your book? The, I think that the core message that I want someone to hear or, or take away when they read the book is that there are different ways to approach something like culture and leadership, for example. And there is no one true Way there are different ways. That's why we have um three to four different angles when it comes to uh, leadership and culture in the book. So we approach it from several different um areas. For example, um the topic of impactful culture, the topic of leading through disruption. What and and, and what we try to do is give the reader hyper-specific advice mm-hmm. that they can put into place. So it's not a a book that is theorizing a lot. It's a book that is grounded in the experience of those who wrote the book. It is a book for leaders and entrepreneurs written by leaders and entrepreneurs. So it's actionable advice in these areas of strategy, pricing, and sustainability when it comes to hard skills. Very clear advice on different options to explore how can I, as a business leader, build more impactful workplaces and how can I lead my team through challenging times? And when we get into the third theme and while I'm doing all that, how can I avoid that I overwhelm myself? How can I still make sure I have a balance in my life that allows me to to be who I am and take care of myself?
0: So you're so are you pulling specific uh, stories out from you know your consulting work? You know where do the where do those stories come from? And I, I would love it if you, if there's possible, maybe you could share a story that might be one of your favorite stories from the book.
1: there are um that there is one story in particular that is autobiographic, so that the last um chapter in the book that I contribute is um around the time between um, the end of 2019 and the first quarter of 2022, uh, sorry 2020. We all know what happened in the beginning of 2020 with, with the um, outbreak of COVID-19. Um, and mixed together in this entire madness, even before it all started, um, my father passed away, my son was born, within two weeks that happened. I had just founded a new business and we were preparing our move from Canada, from Germany to Canada. And Mm. then COVID hit. So um, I describe the mindsets that I embraced, actively embraced to help lead my family through this time without losing my mind. And um, I really didn't realize back then that I was actively embracing them. Um, This just happened. And when I reflected back, more than a year after that um, with the help of a friend i realized that i behaved differently in this in this in this really challenging three four months than what my default behavior was before that and i realized that these mindset shifts are actually important for me to to keep they weren't they weren't just for these extreme times If I was able to embrace them in such a challenging environment, what could I do if I stuck to them and consciously built them into my life? That's what I explore in that chapter, because it actually helped me to not lose my mind um, through a time that was emotionally extremely stressful. Um, I mean, you have mourning over the death of your father on the one end, and the you a joy and pleasure of becoming a first-time dad and that within the same 14 days. How do you deal with that? How you unpack that for yourself and how do you allow yourself to be present in the life of your wife, be there for your mother, while at the same time run a business and preparing to move to another continent? That was, that was something that I wanted to share with readers, how I did it and how it helped me.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, I, I hope everybody... I hope I hope that absolutely right there just compels people to pick up the book. Um I love those kind of stories um, because they're real. They're 100% real. So thanks for thanks for sharing that and writing that. Um on that note about self-care, I would love uh, would love if we can go back to there and talk about that a little bit further. Um so I I mean some people might not think it's a typical theme for a business book. I think maybe society is moving towards that where we are starting to take a little bit more time for ourselves. We're not mad men in 1950s smoking Chain smoking cigarettes and coming up with ads anymore. Um, people are hopefully taking their health more seriously, and and you know understanding where they need balance um, just in their life. So, uh, what what do you think out of the book as specific value for business leaders as it pertains to self care? I mean, are you giving them actual techniques that they yes. can take into place? Okay.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we talk about mindsets um, that I just described. Um, in another chapter, um, we talk about specific exercises how you can start unpacking what actually is valuable for you in your life versus what is in your life right now. Try to figure out whether these are the same things or whether they are things in your life that are there, but you really are not sure why, because they don't really matter to you. So unpacking these um, valuable um, life areas and assigning certain time and resources to them to make them grow as they matter to you and to let go of things that are there for whichever reason that don't matter to you and don't contribute to your well-being. So there are specific exercises that we describe in the book. Um, but we also talk in another chapter, we talk about starting to getting to know you. Um, at some point in time, hopefully everyone asks themselves. Um, why am I reacting to certain things the way I react? And there is a reason for that, mm-hmm. and that reason often goes very deep. And um, we, we're talking about our upbringing. We're talking about um, how we were raised, what things mattered to us when we were younger, or which things were instilled in us when we were younger. And um, those shine through when we are grown ups, and we need to unpack it to understand it and then to evolve from there and to understand if we are not happy with how we react in certain situations, if we are not happy with how um, we deal with other people's issues when they become our issue, we we can unpack these things and we provide um, a framework in the book that helps us understand those aspects of our lives. Beautiful. So, uh, moving ahead. Um, you're a busy
0: guy. I mean, writing this many books in this amount of time, um, is, is very, it's a, that's a, that's a human feat for sure. That's like a superhuman feat. Um, tell us about what's in the future for you. I mean, are there more books, you know, what else you got in the pipeline
1: for sure? Yeah. I'm currently working on two more book concepts. Um, but they won't be available, um, before 2024 and 2025. Um, I mean, there are topics that, that are just super interesting for me personally. And very often I find myself starting to write about things that I don't know about, that I don't understand. And that's why they interest me. So mm. I'm basically just unpacking topics that I either know nothing about and are super curious about exploring or topics where I know a lot about, but still see that there is so much more to learn. So when we talk about the topics of strategy and leadership, I've been, I've been working in that space for almost 20 years. I know that I know something, but the more you know about a topic, the more you realize what you do not know yet. So you give yourself permission to become a learner and to explore a topic, even if you know that you are not a beginner anymore. And then in other topics, you know that you are a beginner and you approach it with an absolute learner's mindset and um, try to unpack what's there. And weave. have it into your subject matter expertise and ask yourself, so what does that mean for me? An example is the topic of artificial intelligence. Mm. I'm not a techie, but I love love to understand what that that entails, what artificial intelligence will bring, for example, to the discipline of strategy design. And I, I really want to know what the future holds, because I'm still relatively young. I will see the next 20 and 30 years, hopefully, of development in that space and if you realize how fast and how fast this this area develops there is no way around it it will it will impact every area of our lives and we can either run away from it and try to pretend that it's not there or we open our arms and ask ourselves how can we use it um for the best of mankind and One,
0: uh, yeah 100 on the ai yeah i i appreciate you Um, at least touching base. I'm surprised we got there, but I've just, I mean, this is the year of AI. You can't deny it. So see what you can get out of it. Um, Alex, two last questions here. Uh, Knowing what you know now, and if you go back in time before you first had that three-year-old, what is one one piece of advice you'd give yourself about being a new
1: father? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I would say this is probably something that it's not only for fathers, but for parents in general, there is a difference between loving your kid and loving to parent. Mm. Parenting is a pain in the butt for me. It's really hard. I struggle with it every day. I'm not good at it. Um, I, I see my wife and I'm like, how can you be so damn good at it? And um, yeah, I just learned so much from observing her. Um, I think that that would be that one advice. Understand that you can love your kid while still not being a, being good at parenting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think my advice would be people to folks is like, you're going to be hard on yourself. Like you are like with Alex, like Alex is, you're always going to feel like you're falling a little bit short. And I think that's one of the things that helps drive, drive you and to keep you on that track of like, I want to do better. Um, I want to, I, I need to continually do better. You just have a little bit of a shortcoming, no matter how good of a parent you really are or aren't. Um, thanks for that, Alex. If people want to find and follow you and obviously pick up the book, where can they do it?
1: The easiest way is to, um, to check out the book website, nextlevelbook.co, or to go to my website where you obviously will find a link, um, alexthestrategist.com. Um, there is a free reading uh, sample available, so you can actually take a look into the book for free. And, um, I really hope you find value in it beautiful.
0: Alex, it was so good to have you on the show again. Um, Definitely keep in touch for those next couple books. We'll have you back on. Appreciate your time and we wish you uh, nothing but the best.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lance. It was a pleasure um, talking to you again.